If I go like this, can you hear my heartbeat? No. Oh. Oh. That would no. be cool, Just, though. That would be really cool. It would remind me of the fall of the house of Usher. Well, it would remind me of Telltale Heart, but it would remind me about the fall of the house of Usher TV show. Mm hmm Which I watched, like, the first two episodes. Three episodes, I think. And then Nick was like, you're watching it without me. I was like, you're not. You, you don't try. You're not watching it. Also, no, he's. He's too scared to watch that. He is. He's just a baby. He's very scared of scary things, and that show's, like, pretty scary. Oh, that just reminded me. I don't know why this reminded me of this. I'm sending you this book that I saw in store that I thought was cool that I thought you'd think was interesting. Oh, good. I'm, like, at a good place reading-wise because I think since it's still the top of the year I'm like still excited about all the different books that I can read in a year mm -hmm. we'll see how long the reading like fever lasts I hope I don't get in another reading slump but right now it's kind of exciting you never know you never know you never know what, what what's gonna happen Marissa texted me what she said oh okay well first of all I really like that Cover for Dear by Claire O'Shaughnessy, Margaret Murphy. <gasps> Wait, what? Doesn't it sound kind of cool? That sounds kind of amazing. I actually really like that. And it's it's like it's a hardcover book, but it's tiny it's a small one and i'm like I, oh my God, I love her i love small books um a, a question just because the name reminded me of it not the premise did you see poor things no not yet but my cousin told me to watch it and she's like you have to watch it with nick and i was like okay d no miranda so d oh. sister i feel like sometimes the things miranda says and the things d says could be interchangeable yes they both like um d swiped up on my instagram story the other day and i was like that's my queen <laughs> that's I, technically your cousin because that's my cousin right so that's mine that's mine i you love her that. she slays um but yeah i think you would really like poor things and i'd really like to have a full-blown conversation with you about it because um uh i think people have mixed feelings about it mm. um from a more morality like is this moral perspective mm -hmm. so I would love to get your thoughts on this okay so let me know whenever you do and we can talk about it on here even yeah I'll be watching that ish ish um but oh, we're always forgetting to introduce ourselves oh my god I don't know who I am <laughs> help um, <laughs> I'm Liza, and I'm Riz, and this is the Little Sleep Much Reading Pod. And finally, from so little sleeping and so much reading, his brain dried up and he went completely out of his mind. Also, I'm sorry, I'm still focused on Emily McIntyre mm -hmm. because I still have her pulled up here. Hooked came out in 2021. Scarred and Wretched came out in 2022 and Crossed and Twisted came out in 2023. Who writes that fast? Not even Stephen King. Not even Stephen King. James writes that fast, James Patterson, but it's because he is not real. Mm -hmm. So what if Emily McIntyre is not real? Honestly, I might believe it because this book was... <laughs> 382 pages. That's long. Mm -hmm. So unless she had all of these written 
like already or some of them written already and then when they published hooked a year later they were like oh we loved it like what else do you have and she was like here's what I have but I'm finding it hard to believe that she did that if she did it all just after hooked came out did I tell you about like literally all the horror authors who are releasing books this year you told me a lot of people were but I don't think you went into detail about exactly who is Josh Mellerman is releasing a book called Incidents Around the House, which sounds so friggin' cool. He's crazy. Paul Tremblay's coming out with another book called Horror Movie, I think. Fun. Um, Stephen Graham Jones is releasing two books this year. My Woman King. The third to uh, the My Heart is a Chainsaw books. You did tell me that, yeah. And he's releasing another one this summer called, like, I Was a Teenage Slasher or something like that um Stephen King is releasing a book um Christopher Golden is releasing a book at the end of this month the second book to um what moves the dead is coming out oh fun on February 13th um I think T. King Fisher also has another book coming out in like August Haley Piper's releasing a book wow um Clive Barker is apparently releasing a book that's kind of random and fun. Yeah. Like, so many people are coming out with books, and I'm like, you guys. I think you, Darcy Coates has another guys. one coming out this year. A lot of YA horror is coming out, which I'm kind of excited about. That is exciting. I want there to be more horror written by women, but the trend that I noticed is that women will tend to write one-off horror, mm-hmm. and men are the, pe- are the people we see who... Um, like you know Stephen Graham Jones and and Clive Barker who like just keep going and keep going and keep going but I don't think we have a very many examples of female horror writers who are like that where you can like expect when their next horror book might come out no um and like a lot of the ones that are like Simone St. James has a a book coming out this year Mm -hmm. but she borders on thriller right like, her books were coded mystery thriller for the longest time. Um, I don't know why we moved them to horror. Um, Darcy Coates is a girl, right? Yes. Yeah, but she also, I would argue, sometimes leans thriller. I don't Not... know if I would consider her leaning thriller. I just feel like she's cozy horror. Maybe that's what it is. Which people I don't... don't talk about enough. No. Because, like, I don't remember any of her stuff being, like, scary, scary, like, enough to be on any, like, radar for for that reason. Mm-mm. The lady who wrote The Winter People, what's her name? Jennifer Egan? She's in the M. No, not Jennifer Egan. Help. No, Jennifer. <laughs> Jennifer Egan does not write her. The Winter People? Yes. M-C-M-A-H-O-N, McMahon. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, um, I'm familiar. She writes quite a few books that are horror, but I also think that they're thriller adjacent, so. I really want Carmen Marie Machado to release another book. Girl, don't even get me freaking started. And I really want... I really want there to be a genre between horror and fiction. Or Kelly Link can live. I want there to be a genre between literary fiction and horror where we can live. Yes. I want there to be a bookstore that's just that, and it's just for us. Yes. I tried writing the other day. Didn't work. I commend you for even trying to write because I fully have not written fiction in probably a year. I, like, need to do it. You feel like something needs to come out. Yes, but I feel like my brain is like dry mud. Ew. Scratching. Earth eater. Earth eater. I was thinking about that book the other day. I recommend that to, to people in the store all the time and no oh. one ever buys it. Um, That feels racist. Yeah, it's really sad, actually. Also, wait, one more thing. Mm-hmm. My display for February, I was just going to do pink and red books, and then Tiffany was like, I've always wanted to do a book with like slashers and call it and make a sign that says the one that got away. And I was like, we're doing that. That is so fun. 
Oh, that's so cute. Sometimes I miss working in the bookstore. It's fun sometimes. It is. Some days I definitely just want to lay down and cry. Right, of course. Lately, I don't like it. It's kind of a hellhole, specifically that conglomerate who must not be named is bad. Mm -hmm. One day when you have your own, it will be okay. It'll be so fun. Did you see that two-headed calf I sent you on TikTok, a real one? Yes. What the fuck? I friggin' love him. I want what? him to live for a very long time. No. He's a baby. I wish two-headed calves happened all the time and that they were just regular animals that mm -hmm. didn't have any problems. They're so cute. It's hard to have two brains. Uh, it's hard to share a brain. Having one brain is hard enough. I cannot imagine having two. Mm -hmm. Or having half of one. I wonder how that works too, because like, doesn't your brain tell your body what to do? Yes. They will explain it sometimes with those girls that are connected. Um, but they're not connected at the head. You know those girls I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Because I think one's brain moves only one side and the other's brain moves only the other side. Mm, that's cool. Because there's they don't have an arm in the middle or a leg in the middle, I don't think. But like, does your heart just pump or is your brain like pump? Your brain tells it to do it, yeah. So if you had two brains and one heart and both your brains are like pump, girl, pump, pump. Yeah, and what, if, and what if they're not at the same time? Right. Girl, oh, that's, <laughs> that's not for us to understand. That's it's for really somebody not. that's for somebody with a bigger brain than us. Above our pay grade. Exactly. Exactly. Um now that we're done with that. Y'all want to see my renegade? No, I need to kill myself. <laughs> um, what did we do this week? um some fun stuff exactly no because exactly so today we're gonna have a bit of a like structured because we like structure but mm -hmm. loose mm -hmm. conversation mm -hmm. um our theme of the episode was midnight mass and we're gonna kind of go like a little bit religious-y Yeah. I'm sorry. I just started thinking about Midnight Mass, the TV show, and it's my favorite thing I think that's ever happened in the world. And so I get kind of in my feels about it. Um, It's really good. I think that it's certainly not the first, by any means, religious horror media. But I do believe that it is the epitome of religious mm -hmm. horror media. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I would have to agree. I can't really even think of anything else that comes close mm -hmm. to doing it in a way that's not like gimmicky. Yeah, yeah. Like, what would you say the first is? Would it, would you say The Exorcist? Probably. I mean, there were certainly things that were scary and religious before The Exorcist, but they weren't labeled as horror. You know, I never really thought about this. But, like, in a lot of slasher movies, the final girl... is like kind of like holy in a way yeah she is yeah but also slasher movies are such like a weird rejection of religion yeah that it it was probably so like what year did the exorcist come out 79 yeah 
Yeah. It's probably so weird to have the movies that were coming out at that time and then to have The Exorcist. You know what I mean? Yes. Did The Omen come out after The Exorcist? I'm also looking at it because I'm trying to look up. So Carrie, the book came out in 74. Mm. So that's something to think about because to me, the scariest part of that book the scariest part of that story is the religious aspect of it with mm-hmm. the mom. Um, let's look. The Omen. The Omen was 76. And then The Exorcist was. Seventy-three. So Exorcist was first. It goes Exorcist carry the omen. Mm. That's kind of wild. You'll notice too, I think, that religious horror feels secluded to rural America. I can see it being a thing in potentially like Latin America but I don't think, and it makes sense in the book that I read this week, which takes place in Ireland, because there's obviously like a long history of, of Catholicism here, but mm-hmm. like contemporary horror, I feel it could almost only happen in rural America. Everywhere else in the world is too far removed from religion at this point that it could be scary if that makes sense well actually let's see rosemary's baby the book came out in 67 and that definitely takes place in like new york city that's true but that's satanic Do you know what I mean? Yeah, but I think it ties in because it's... Isn't it about, like... Well, I don't know. No, it is. Because, like, she's birthing the Antichrist. Yeah, no, you're right. It is. It's just, like, I. is there a priest? There's not, like, a priest or anything in it, is there? Mm-mm. Not that it matters, but I personally feel like priests and overly christian people are the scariest parts of the horror and the satanic parts are less scary to me yeah but i would i would say that yes rosemary's baby should count because was that also probably the time of like satanic panic when was that if the book came out in 67 and i think it said the movie came out in 78 I don't know when 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 well, was, it was in the sixties, wasn't it? The Satanic Panic. Mm-hmm. I think so. No. eighties. <gasps> really? Sixties would have been more so being afraid of communists, I guess. Yeah, eighties and nineties, because that's what. Eddie from Stranger Things, I guess, is supposed to be um, Mm. modeled after. Interesting. So do we see a lot of satanic horror coming out in the 90s then as a result? I don't think so. No. We've got the opposite. We've got the craft. Right. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Maybe people watched too many satanic movies in the 70s that they got scared in the six in the 80s. Yeah, I would I I could believe that. And then by the 90s, they were like embracing it. I mean, like imagine watching The Exorcist in theater. That would have been horrifying. No, that's so scary. How do you eat your popcorn then? How do you how do you eat your popcorn? Riddle me that. I think 
we need to have a separate account where we do film history horror film history because we always end up here we really do um, that's not what we were talking about but it's still important it is still important and the episode is called midnight mass because midnight mass which is a television miniseries mm-hmm. it is the best work of religious horror medium mm-hmm. but like period Did your books remind you at all of Midnight Mass? No. No. Um, more so Camp Damascus did. Mm-hmm. By the way, um, Chuck Tingle's also coming out with a new book this summer, I think, called Barrier Gaze. Gaze? Yeah. G-A-Y-S? Yep, Barrier Gaze. Wait, wait, wait. That is so fun. The cover's really cool looking, too. I love gay people. I love horror. That's really enticing. Bury your gaze. <gasps> oh, I'm excited for that. Mm-hmm. Should I read um Chuck the the should I should I read Camp Damascus? Um yeah, I think it'll be a quick read for you. Okay. And it is gay. Okay, maybe like you're kind of going to talk about two books, right? Mm-hmm. So maybe do you want me to go first and mine low-key relates a little bit more to Midnight Mass and then we can shift to talking about what you found with your reads? Mm-hmm. Okay, Um. so I read a book called She That Lay Silent Like Upon Our Shore by Brendan Casey. And this was a book I picked up here in Ireland because it's by a local author. Um, And basically, I'm slightly confused by this book. I'm not entirely sure what time period it's supposed to be placed in. And I don't think it necessarily matters. Um, I also think it does sort of take place outside of this reality um but to set the scene um it takes place on an island off the coast of ireland and um it's the narrator is like a little boy i mean i don't think he's super i think he's like a teenager um who's sort of been like shunned by his very religious society um, or his very religious community, rather. Um, and he's kind of living on the outskirts of, of their community. And one day, a whale washes up on the beach, and he sort of instantly connects with the whale, the boy does. Um, and the townspeople and the religious leader, who is called the prelate, do not like that. Um, and they say that the um, whale is like of the devil and it's a bad omen and it's like all this crazy stuff and um, a lot of crazy shit happens. So that's basically the book. And that's why you can see why I was interested in it. Um, the cameras were not rolling when we were talking about this, were they? No, I don't think they were. But I feel like a lot of a, I don't want to phrase this, an overly religious person being in charge of an entire community is something that can be very, very scary. Um, Obviously, that's what we see in Midnight Mass, particularly, honestly, with Beverly, even over the um, the pastor guy. Um, But we were talking about Hunchback of Notre Dame earlier. And when I was a kid, that whatever he's like a reverend or something I don't know what he is he scared me even more than the hunchback of no no hunchback is not supposed to scare you he just I'm okay he's just a little scary but the bad guy is like crazy religious and like super freaky and I'm like there's really nothing scarier than a man in a position of power who's also very religious like there's almost nothing scarier than that and so 
I think this book having that sort of looming figure in the background adds to the horror of the book. I will also say he wears a plague mask. And that's why I'm confused because it says something about a pestilence that was going around, but it doesn't quite, the other things they talk about don't feel like this would have been the time of the Black Death. It just doesn't add up. It feels later. And so I wonder if Casey is just completely fictionalizing a world here and there's a, a pestilence that, you know, didn't actually exist. But the preacher guy, who's also like the mayor basically at that point, wears a, like a hood and a bird mask, which is so fucking scary. Um, so the reason I have mixed feelings about this book I do actually really like the concept. I think it's really cool. Where I struggled was I had a really difficult time getting into this book. And I think that's partially because of um, the writing style and the form, which I would sort of combine into one. They're sort of working together in this story. And because of that, they affect the readability of the story. Um, and that is because it is written in sort of like, I don't know how you would describe this. It's written in like a rural Irish accent. So the words are spelled out how someone would say it. Um, so, and it's like old timey as well. Um, but for example, like the first sentence is, it were cold in the morning first I saw Levi thrashing again the edge of the world. Mine, she were not called that then and I did not know her sex. I thought she were a beast like me, a great glitching beast stretched belligerent life across the earth. Known well, she had no right to be here except the one she forced upon it. So, the actual language of the story, it takes you a minute to get into it. And I, I kind of had to like commend the author for choosing to do that because I mean, what a great way to add character voice, characterization, and then also world building. Um, and I think it wouldn't have been as, I guess, as interesting if he just, wrote it normally, you know what I'm saying? But it did kind of make it really hard for me to fully get into it. I wonder if it would have been better if it was like an audio book, like an audio, like a play almost. I think that could have been really cool, but um, it wasn't, it was a written book. So that's why I'm sort of like, I think this book was really dope, but I can't say, that is one of my like favorite things that I've read because I just had such a tough time with it in that sense. Um, so I think, yeah, I gave it like a 5.5 for readability, a six for language and style and a six for form, even though it's two of the most interesting writing and form I've seen. It was like, it just wasn't, I think, working the way it needed to. Um, and because of that, it made the plot slightly harder. It's made it slightly more difficult to figure out kind of what was going on the whole time. So because of that, I only gave the plot a six as well, even though I do think the concept was really cool. Um, and I gave shelfworthiness a five and I gave characterization a six because the main character is really endearing, the narrator, the boy, and then the character of the whale as this kind of like looming figure, the Leviathan, um, is really cool as well. The um, prelate, the minister guy is so spooky. And then there's a bunch of other weird 
creatures happening. So there's like a crone, there's imps, there's all this like, I guess what you would refer to as like maybe like Irish folklore, non-Christian Irish folklore that's woven into this sort of like very, 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 very heavily Catholic community um, that I think is is really cool. But what I was telling Marissa was that I was surprised because I picked this book for the Midnight Mass discussion because given the description of it, I knew it was going to remind me slightly of Midnight Mass. I think also especially because it takes place on a coastal island. Um, but I didn't necessarily think it was going to be horror, but there was some pretty gruesome horror in this book that I think was really well, really well done. Um, I want to see if I can maybe find an excerpt for you. Yeah, there's just a lot of weird shit going on in here. He like decapitates the priest at one point. Um, it was a lot of body horror. There's low-key like so many sections that I could. Ugh. Pardon me, I should have done this beforehand. Oh, okay, here we go. Let's just do this. Possessed by spirit of the way. By the way, he it has been exiled to what's Greg referred to as the wastelands, and that's where all these like mythical uh, energies kind of live. Possessed by a spirit of the waste, I reined the sword and, marching upon the lifeless body slumped across the chair, I took to severing the prelate's head from his shoulders. It were done in a haze of gore and fury, and afore I know it, I stood sprent and weltering in his blood, his skull hanging from a clump of thin gray hair clutched betwixt the fingers of my trembling hand. Impaling his skull upon the hook, I turned for the door, the butterfly rising for to follow me. On my way out, I heaved the pot from the heat and listened to it clang and clatter on the ground, steam rising from the water. I left the skull of the cat upon the floor so as to keep an eye on the growth go and lay a curse upon his house. So it has just some crazy kind of out-of-pocket body horror going on there. The saliva would drip as though you were a rabid dog and your tongue felt like it were barren torn ick mail from your skull. The soul what wore the vice made strange gurgling sounds trying to breathe and rid himself of the saliva what gathered in all corners and crevices. Altogether it were fierce, painful, and torment and ordeal what sent the skull of army. You can also tell by that passage specifically that the language is kind of insane. Like it's almost like old English, honestly. Um... But I, it, that's why I have conflicted feelings about this book, because it had a lot of really cool stuff going on. And I think it could have been a really cool movie or a really cool audiobook. But reading it, I was just like, I'm going to need some help with this one. Um, I think I like when gore is mixed with religious horror specifically. I think it's really fun. I think it's common as well. And I don't know why that is. But I think of like some of the grossest scenes I've seen in, in horror were, or most uncomfortable, were religious horror. And so I don't know what is going on with that. But let me say this. I'll let, then I'm gonna, I want to hear from you, especially because I grew up with no religion. So I have, I've never read the Bible. I don't, I never went to church. I didn't ever read any other religious text. From what I understand, the stories in the Bible are kind of gory and scary. And Catholicism, they always have a picture of Jesus looking so scary. 
up on the cross or what have you. And so I'm like, maybe religious horror does serve, I know it does serve as an outlet for people who have been traumatized by horror, but maybe that's why it lends itself, but people have been traumatized by religion, but maybe that's why it lends itself to horror and not just regular writing, because it's such a scary thing to read about and experience. Like they literally tell you that you're gonna die and go to hell if you do something bad. And then they describe hell to you and it's like the scariest thing you've ever heard in your life. So like, I can understand why people who are made to be writers and filmmakers and artists, but who were raised Christian end up going the horror route when it comes to their art form. And that's all I'll say. Yeah, religion's kind of scary. It's really fucking scary. <laughs> it's a little bit spooky. Um, yeah, I just think like when I was in kindergarten, we all had to go to church as a school together. Jesus doesn't look pretty on the cross. Man's is all like bloody and stabbed. Like, and he looks sad. <laughs> he looks like he's been through it. Um. Yeah, I don't know. It's just um bizarre sometimes. Um. So yeah. So I'm gonna talk about two books. I like. I feel like neither of them really fit the Midnight Mass theme, but one does more than the other. So I'll start with that one first. Um, Over the summer, I read Camp Damascus by Chuck Tingle. And that is about a person who realizes she's gay. Um, And when she starts to realize she's gay, she's like, she sees this demon who like stalks her and scares her and murders one of her friends like it's wild um and then she starts to kind of go through it and think maybe I was sent to a conversion camp at one point and I simply don't remember it um and again like I think the scariest part of that book are the adults around her like she when she starts okay nick i'm gonna need you to stop <laughs> when she starts um texting sorry no when she starts seeing the demon she thinks that she's going crazy because she doesn't realize what it is and so she goes and like talks to her pastor and he like gives her pills and it's like everything's gonna be okay just like pray about it and return to god and and like you're not crazy and like all of these these kids are having like therapy appointments with i don't know if it was the actual pastor or if it was like the church therapist either way <laughs> kind of messed up um and again like her parents are like great parents and they're nice to her and she has everything but like they're actually like sinister people um and i think chuck tingle did a really good i a really good job of being like you know the book starts off and you're like wow her parents are so great and they're so loving and they really do care about her and then as it moves on you're like no these people are whack like these people are wild um and I think that's really where the like midnight mass part bleeds into this. It's just the way that the adults around her are so religious that they're willing to almost like disregard her for religion. Um So that's the first one. And, and like I said earlier, Chuck Tingle does have another book. Chuck Tingle is also, I like him. 
I think that he's partly doing the job of being an author in a different way, like possibly what we might be moving into just because I feel like forever, like being an author is so thought of as like being behind the scenes in a way. And just now with TikTok and with books blowing up so big, I feel like we actually have author celebrity. Um, And Chuck Tingle does something interesting where he's like never done an interview without a bag on his head. Like no one knows what he looks like. He's he's just like almost like crazy and out there. But like in the way that's like protect trans kids and be gay and have fun he's kind of like the orville peck of literature yeah (laughs) yes it's like love oh yeah um and i think i i'm not positive about this but i think he used to release stories on reddit before he was an author and a lot of the things that he wrote was like gay smut and so I think a lot of people don't take him seriously because of that and like he didn't write I mean he wrote serious gay smut but he didn't write it seriously I think but him as an author he takes all of his books so seriously that like when people are like oh my god like the gay smut books he's like yeah my gay smut books that I wrote you know what I mean he just like I just feel like he's getting his celebrity in a different way and dealing with it a different way, which is kind of cool. And I, and you can't even really say it's a celebrity. It's not like he's he's not like Sarah J. Moss, you know. He's he's no Colleen Hoover, thankfully. But anyways. Um and then the other book that I read is a book that I've had my eye on for a while. And this is the one that I I obviously read Camp Damascus first and I was going to do Camp Damascus first and then I saw this book had come out in paperback and I was like, oh, I should probably buy it. And then I tried to read this one and felt, I love the book, but I feel like it's not on theme enough. So then I pivoted back to Camp Damascus. Um, So the other book is Stein Here by Claudia Lux and it's about um, a guy, his name is Peyote Trips and he works in hell. And his job is to get humans to sign their souls away, pretty much. Um, And I thought the whole hell aspect would work a lot and that there would be more religious aspects in it. But there's not. Um, The hell that's described here is like an office building. And there's six floors. I'm I'm like a little bit unsure if there are more floors under the six floors. Because they keep talking about a downstairs. And I'm like, does that just mean like level one? Or does that mean something deeper? I don't know. But there are different jobs on each floor. And you start on a floor and then you have to get promoted and work your way up. Um, but like it's hell. And so it sucks. Not in the way that you're getting physically tortured all the time but in the way that like they only have Jägermeister they have beer all the beer is flat there are puddles that just appear on the ground and you you never know the depth of the the puddle and they move around um there there will be just a car alarm going off in your neighborhood and you can't find it um everything is your whole apartment is just rug (laughs) like like stupid things that you're like that really sucks there's been like multiple times where where when he's working peyote like puts his binder down and like always puts it inside some mysterious substance always puts his binder in branch always puts it in coffee like so it's like funny but it's also like that would suck if that was my everyday life. Um, 
And so it goes back and forth between Pei, who's working his job and getting deals, um, with Cal, uh, his a, a new person on the fifth floor because they work on the fifth floor, who her name is Calamity Ganon, like after the video game, like after Zelda, which is really funny. And um, they're getting deals together and working together and all that other stuff. So it goes between their story and the story of the family who um, Pei is trying to get his, I think, fourth signature from. Um, and both stories are really interesting. There's just not like that culty religious vibes that I thought was going to be in this. Um, but it is cool. Like it does talk about that river in hell. You know, that one. And just like it talks about um things that I guess are actually steeped in the myth of hell. But she also has created her her own world that works just as well within all of this. Um yeah, so I felt like between the two, Camp Damascus fits it more. The only thing is Camp Damascus almost has like a brighter feel to the book, which I guess is terrible to say considering it's more steeped in real life. Um, whereas Sign Here is kind of just bleaker just because you're like, wow, hell really does suck. And even, like, there are, like, certain... There's one... There's, like, a couple scenes that... Or not even scenes, just, like, little tiny details that Claudia has put in the book and then, like, never talked about again. Like, there's this one part where... um, Pei and Cal are invited out to a club. And Pei gets there and he goes in and he's hanging out with the other guys. And then he goes to go look for Cal and she's stuck in line. And she's like, yeah, they wouldn't let me in without a man. And then it's never brought up again. And I'm just like, what, what, what hell thing was that? You know what I mean? Like just weird little things. Um, either way, I've liked both books. And yeah. Hell horror is so interesting to me because while it is obviously bleaker than what could take place on earth because you know it's going on forever it is all just so outrageous to me mm -hmm. that it like this obviously is a different story because it was a horror comedy in a way mm -hmm. but whenever there is any depiction of hell even in mythology even in the bible it always dante's inferno it's just so insanely ridiculous that you can't actually even be scared of it because you're like that's stupid you know what i mean yeah whereas in midnight mass the show riley's description of what he thinks happens when you die is one of the scariest things but best things i've ever heard in my life yeah and so it's just so interesting when people decide to focus on the afterlife as like horror like they're put, doing all this fire and brimstone and obviously this author that we read is like poking fun at that as well but then the actual scariest thing will be someone who just describes the nothingness that is is more of a potential right spooky the weird thing is like the people in this book who are in hell, who are working in hell, have clearly, like, I don't want to say that they deserve to be in hell, but, like, they have done bad things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Which makes me be like, it's not mentioned in this book. As far as I've read, it's not mentioned in this book. But so then where is, is there a heaven? You know what I mean? Right. Like, is there an opposite? Or did the people who do a good job in life just like go sleep <laughs> you know and what is worse right what's worse being sent to this weird hell where everything is you know shit 
or never having consciousness again. Mm-hmm. It's kind of fucked up, dude. And I mean, like, Pei has been in hell for so long that he, and like, I guess the floors of hell are different kinds of hell. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. so like, he used to be on, I don't remember what floor it was, like the third floor, the second floor or something. And they live in a cell, like a jail cell. Um, and all day they work in a conveyor belt where I think, I'm not quite sure, but I think they just take humans apart. And I'm like, that's not fun, you know? Yeah. Like, now that he works on the fifth floor, he, like, has an apartment. And he goes to his job every day where he works in an office. But it's like, his briefcase doesn't close and he has to rubber band it close. And you should always have at least ten pens on you because the first three-ish pens that you try to use won't work. Like, it's just, like, really <laughs> stupid, like inconvenient things that I'm like that would send me over the edge that would send, no like it, at that point it would be better to just be one of the random bodies that they're like taken apart on yes. level three and you just don't have any level of consciousness anymore and it's done it's done. if that's what the case is mm-hmm. peyote trips is the best fucking name I've ever heard in my life so funny that's uh, a so funny when you go to hell so his life name was not peyote trips you're not allowed to have your life name which i'm also like is it better to not and they touch upon like that they ask this question in the book is it better to be in hell and remember your life or is it better to be in hell and not remember your life at all it would especially not remember it in my opinion but i mean like in in pay's case he goes to earth and like in hell there is no time he uh it's described as like there being like a mailbox and time exists in the mailbox and they're all outside of the mailbox so when they they can go into the mailbox and then they're in time it's wild but either way so like you don't remember your life but you can go up to earth and like see all these other people living their life and you don't know if the time that you're in to get that deal is the time that you were alive Wait, what? Uh-huh. Isn't that wild? Dude, that this crazy? might be like the coolest concept I've heard. It's really cool, but like it's it's so funny. <laughs> like, I know, it's really so funny. funny. I'm gonna actually read that for sure. You should. It's actually really fun so far. And like I said, the fact that it goes from hell and then also like to the family is super interesting and mm-hmm. there's been a lot of like bombs you know what I mean like she's just mm-hmm. like oh yeah and then this and you're like whoa 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 yeah what's the name of the author again Claudia Lux Claudia Lux my woman king you funny girl yeah I kind of want to know what she looks like I know do you think she slays do you think she's creepy I feel like she's like god like I feel like she's like old an older goth lady that's my guess She kind of looks like Zoe. Shut up. That's so funny. No, she doesn't. I'm just blind. Everybody looks like Zoe. Okay. She looks more like Zoe's sister than she looks like Zoe. She looks exactly like Maggie, actually. Queen is queening. She is such a normal looking lady to be writing such an insane book. Good for her. Would you rather? It says she's 73 years old. What from Germany? That's why it's weird, dude. She's German. That's why it's weird. Yeah, of course. She's European. It all makes more sense now. Because I was like, that's fun for an American, but no. She wait, why'd you guess? I'm confused. Maybe she doesn't? I don't know. I'm really confused. Her author bio on, on the website says she's a graduate from Sarah Lawrence College which is wild and has a master's in social work from the university of texas and she lives and works in boston massachusetts i mean she could still be from germany and she just went to sarah lawrence and then stayed i believe it that's so fun i love it i'm definitely gonna read that book how funny peyote trips (laughs) bro 
iconic that's shit. And Calamity Ganon. That's so funny, baby. Oh my god, I'm actually excited. I think I'm going to get it on my Kindle right when I get home. Do it. Is it short? No. Slay. It's like 480 pages. For... Period. That is long, mama. It's 404 pages. Okay, it's, that's not horrendous, but that's not... There is, like, the, the font is a little small. Ooh, Jesus Christ. But kind of worth it. I'll try it anyway. I don't say that often. No, you don't. So that's because we, we're, we're short book girls. I'm a short book girly. We're short book girls. Um, what are we doing next week? Crying. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. We're going to read some more and then we're going to cry some more. Exactly. Oh, did you hear that noise? Yeah, what was that? A plow. <laughs> oh, snow plow. All right, slay. Um, so next week. Oh, I'm excited about next week. I'm excited about next week. Next week, we're going to be diving into paperbacks from hell. I'm reading a book from the 80s called A Nest of Nightmares by Lisa Tuttle. It's a collection of short horror stories. Slay. Um, I don't know when mine came out, but it's called When Darkness Loves Us, and it's by Elizabeth Engstrom. 1985, it came out. Mm. Two girl books slaying. Two girly books. Thank fucking God. About time. Literally. Um, mine was super scary. I love that. I'm I ready. finished it already. I'm excited. I'm scared to, to open mine up because I'm like, is the font gonna be small? Um it wasn't in mine. Okay, slay. It was not in mine. Because they're reprinted, right? Yes. Yeah, because I remember looking and it said like 2023 and I was like, girl, wait. Like, it, the date was like very recent. It was like November. Right. But it, it made it seem like it wasn't even the format that it was when it first came out. You know what I mean? Yes. Like I it was, was nervous because it is like almost mass market size yeah yeah mine is too and that's what makes me be like but i think these used to be those horror books that you could get in like a gas station you know what i'm saying so they were thin so i wonder if they just enhanced the size a tiny bit and made them a little thicker Mm -hmm. because that's what it, it seems like happened with mine which would be really nice yeah yours was a collection of short stories Yes. Mine is two novellas. Fun. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm also going to collect more of these books because I think they're truly lit. I just love yes. the covers. They're so fun. Specifically the girl ones. I don't need any of the boy ones. Because if boys are writing stupid shit in the horror genre in 2023, 2024, imagine what they were writing in the 80s. Here's the thing, you, though. A lot of the paperbacks from hell are um like animal horror do you know what i mean they are which is kind of a slay Cujo. which doesn't even serve content like i'm dnfing it officially are you really yeah dude i don't care about this affair i want that rabbit dog is it are the point are the dog's point of views good no (gasps) that's why i'm pissed I'm going to just watch the movie. Yeah, just watch the movie. Yeah. Um, We're supposed to read Salem's Lot for book club. Oh, spooky. That might be a little fun. Stephen, we're coming for you. We got you, Steve. Anyways. We'll see you next week with a paperback from home. 
We'll see you then. Bye. How do um, I end it? Just hit pause or stop. Oh, I see it at the bottom. They could zoom said stop it. They said stop is not good.